Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. On this episode, my guest is the British architect Philip Joseph, who trained at the Royal College of Art and worked for Ilsa Crawford before setting up his own company, P. Joseph, with his brother Peter six years ago. As well as designing the store for fashion designer Erdem, who also happens to be his husband, he is also behind the interiors at 5 Carlos Place, the new Matches Fashion Townhouse in Mayfair. He spoke to me about his own personal approach to architecture, his love of Japanese design, and his extremely high-maintenance bathtub. Philip Joseph, welcome to the show. And I'm really excited because this is the first time we're recording actually inside Five Carlos Place. Hooray! Hooray! And it feels really good to be here. And the reason we're talking to you is because you are the architect and the designer of the space. Yes. Um, And I was wondering if you could just tell briefly about how the whole project came about. We had done, a few years ago, um, a store also in Mayfair for Erdem, uh, his women's wear designer and and, um, my other half. And uh, and so... um, and and I suppose yeah. So, uh, Matches Fashion approached us, having seen that store and kind of responded really well to it because, uh, you know, we were for the first time like trying to. Erdem uh, didn't have stores before, so we were trying to uh, uh, sort of embody his his brand but actually more like the persona of his brand if you like so his girl and um and so we made a space that was really uh kind of uh domestic and warm and um inviting i suppose and um uh and, and yeah and so and and that's very much kind of what we're trying to do here i think it's to create a sort of domestic space well, and it's quite interesting that whole aesthetic that you have which is that combination of it still feels like a store. I'm talking about the Erdem one yeah, now, but yeah. it, it definitely feels like a shop. It isn't like going to someone's home, but it does feel really um, warm and cozy. And is that sort of the, is that your USP as a company? Is that what you're doing? Or is that all? I suppose what I'm trying to say is that more of a modern thing of where interior design is at at the moment. Well. I, I, I mean, I, I think um, what's sort of interesting is the way, I mean, we set up uh, P. Joseph four years ago and um, I set up with my twin brother, Peter. So both, both of our initials is P. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's very confusing. Hence yeah. P. Joseph. <laughs> um, but um, we, I trained as an architect at Newcastle University in the Royal College of Arts. And then after the Royal College of Arts, I went and worked for Ilsa Crawford for 10 years um, uh, as an architect working in a mainly interiors practice, and so we um, and worked across all sorts of different projects, and um, you know a lot of work for Soho House and uh, on the early clubs and um, so hospitality, retail, and and, and people's houses, and so um, and then when we set up P Joseph, I sort of um, my 
love is really architecture as as a starting point but um you know what we're trying to do really is to integrate architecture and interiors in a kind of uh, an equally kind of rigorous uh, way that um that sort of prioritizes the end experience of the place we sort of talk about designing experiences but it's a trying to come up with a big idea and then through um looking at every element of the project from the uh, starting with the architecture all the way through to the final details in the interiors um you know to to uh, you know create and um a, a compelling experience i guess mm. and when you started at Elsa Crawford you said you were there for 10 years and when you left you were a design director there how what did you feel that you had to say that is different to what she's trying to say or her studio is trying to say well i mean look i was i was kind of you know, very much schooled um through you know my work uh, with ilsa uh, o- over 10 years and um i yeah as I, as i said i suppose i uh the projects that we're doing now and the way that we're sort of setting up the projects that we do are uh starting with the starting with the architecture if you like so we so we want to be uh in control of the architecture <laughs> of the projects and uh and and so uh as a starting point and then that kind of feeds through into yeah it's to, I'm a bit of a control freak, I suppose, and just want to basically be in control of the whole. I sort of feel like if you if you are, you allow for uh, later on down the line, rather rather than inheriting something. It's interesting. People talk about architecture needing to be warmed up by interiors, and and actually, um, you know, because we're in control of the whole process um, all the way through. Uh, we're able to sort of fully integrate uh, the architecture with the interiors for a seamless kind of final experience. If you like, so that's that's our that's supposed to be our well, that is our that's USP. Your elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah, that is my elevator pitch. I'm <laughs> get, it. getting it that down. Was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and this is the, this is a podcast where you talk about things, five things or yeah. more or less of things that um, inspire you or have given your life meaning in some way. So I was wondering, what is the first thing you put in your cabinet? Um, now, I... Um, it's, it's quite funny, actually, because Erdem and I um, have very different aesthetic. <laughs> kind of, so, and so, uh, how, how, it, how, how so? Well, well, it, well, he is... I don't want to say he's a hoarder, but he has a lot of stuff. And, uh, uh, and, and I, um, I'm more, I'm, I would say I'm more selective. <laughs> kind of, and uh, but he would yeah but, but so I talked to him about you know what you know what uh, he thought I should put on this list anyway the number one is because he finds it completely ridiculous but um, is um, our uh, Japanese bathtub wooden bathtub <laughs> so uh, so we yeah it's it's made of hinoki wood it's the hinoki bathtub and it's 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 sort of I find it's a refuge. I kind of love to to spend time in it. It's basically a wooden box. Adam calls it a coffin. <laughs> it's like a coffin. So how did you? So, what, what's the? I um, this is a Japanese. Yes. So it's a style. hinoki ofuro tub. 
And so I, I d- did a bit of work in Japan, and then Erdem and I love going to Japan. So we've been a few times together, and um, and loved going to onsen in Japan and sort of bathing in naturally you know, spring waters and what have you. And this is um, it's a, a wooden bathtub that's very traditional over there, and it's made out of hinoki, which is a type of cypress wood. It's a very beautiful looking thing, and it's made by. Um, uh, you know the, the traditional tr- craftsman. Actually, what's interesting is that it's an Italian architect who lives in Tokyo, who has kind of corralled s- some remaining craftsmen who can kind of make these. What's his name? These tubs. He's called Jacopo Torini. He's obsessed with everything Hinoki wood <laughs> and kind of makes all sorts of crazy things out of Hinoki wood. Um, yeah, check him out. He's got some quite crazy ads online. Um, but anyway, so so I, I, I got it through him. But actually, I happened to be... I was travelling back to the to Japan. So I did actually go and see it being made. And I went and sat in it and tried it out. But it's it's kind of amazing because it's... You're supposed to sit upright in them. You know, you don't recline in them. And you fill it full of water. So the, the reason why I advise it completely ridiculous is that basically we actually had to kind of sort of build our house around this... Bathtub. So we have a tiny house with the most, the world's biggest boiler to fill this bathtub up. We had to reinforce the floor. So it's basically like having your own little swimming pool, you know, in the. But I mean, I and just, what do you get out of this it. bath that you don't get out of a traditional Western style bath? Um, you, uh, it's it's actually uh, it's not for washing. Ah, oh, that's the interesting yeah. thing. It's for bathing. <laughs> so it's for bathing. So basically, you you actually have to. <laughs> this is where it gets ridiculous. So you have to have a shower before you get in it, <laughs> and you can't actually use soap in it. Um, so you yeah, and you can't you yeah, you can only have water in it. So so basically, you you're you're supposed to sort of hang out in it and bathe and uh, and relax. And so it's it's sort of it's not bubble bath and yeah and and sort of salts and all of that no none of that it's just like hot you know hot water and you can fill it right up to the the top you're supposed to let it overflow so um but you know we you you basically it's like having a a, you know an animal or something you know when we go on holiday we have to leave it with water in it because (laughs) it dries out (laughs) and so it's a very high maintenance bath but it's a thing of great beauty yeah that sounds amazing (laughs) And what about, um, you grew up in um, Lancashire? Actually, Birmingham. <laughs> but I went to boarding school in Lancashire. Um, yeah, so, Were you born in Birmingham? Uh, uh, born in Birmingham. A twin? Parents still live there, yeah. Any twin. other brothers and sisters? Lots and lots. Big Irish Catholic family. So my, uh, I have two older brothers who are twins as well. So there's two sets of twin boys. And then there's a girl at the top and a girl at the bottom. And... Uh, Three architects, three product designers. So in our family, yeah. So my twin Peter is what a product you, what designer. What does your dad do? My dad ran a family business that was started by his father, making things out of glass. So it was it was a sort of actually when my grandfather started it, it was a very artisanal business um, that also you know was sort of used to commission uh, public artworks. Actually, so um, he would facilitate the manufacturing of public public artworks. So it was called Allied Artists. And then when my father took it over, he sort of made it sort of more industrialised. And um, and then actually my older brothers have sort of carried on the tradition and they have a, a company called Joseph Joseph that makes uh, kitchenwares. So they have a, a sort of big um, kitchenwares company, yeah. So sort of the family business continues. So And, and what kind of 
what was your house like growing up was it like noisy and creative what did your mum do and oh so so my mum um uh, is an architect and so she trained as an architect actually kind of amazingly she was one of only two women in her year at Birmingham University and um yeah, it's quite unusual to to train as an architect in those days and then she uh, practiced for a few years and then had a massive family so she sort of always says that her contribution to architecture was giving birth to three architects <laughs> three product designers but she doesn't practice anymore but yeah she lightly encouraged us to all study architecture so that's why we ended up yeah <laughs> Um, and then you went and then you went to school in Lancashire yeah so we went to boarding school we all went to boarding school very sort of traditional Catholic boarding school Stonyhurst College in Lancashire it's a beautiful place and um, yeah and then on to on to Royal, Co- Royal, yeah, College, Royal College where yeah. you met Adam yes <laughs> um, and what what else are you we need to go back to the cabinet what else yes, are you going to yes. put in the cabinet I'm really excited now after the bath thing, which was <laughs> the bath so was incredible. A yeah, I don't know if you can match that. <laughs> so the next thing I would like to put in the cabinet is my beloved 1965 Bob Jackson. So it's a, a lovely, beautiful. Actually, it was an orange uh, bicycle, uh, but I yeah, I, I I've had a, a bit of a trauma recently. To do with this so bicycle. So wait, when did you get this bicycle? So I've got this bicycle about 15 years ago oh. on eBay. I bought it on eBay, and I didn't quite know what you know what, what I was buying. And and when I went and picked it up, and I got it for a song. And when I went to pick it up, it was the most beautiful thing you'd ever seen. It's it a beautiful. And Bob Jackson actually a, a, a frame maker who's still going in Leeds, and um, and yeah, it's an English British made, you know, beautiful old racing bike. And I, I sort of I cycle quite a bit, and so I was uh, I kind of loved this bike. And I used to only cycle this bike, which actually only had five gears, so it's like quite a hard, uh, hard cycle. But anyway, I um, recently decided I was going to get it resprayed, so I took it into um, a great, great bike shop called Pedal Peddler in the East End. Um, and he, Wayne, is like a bike historian. Like, he really knows everything there is to know about these bikes. And not in a hipster way, in a really kind of genuine way. Um, so he, so we took it in to be resprayed. And he stripped the bike down. And they found the serial number. So they took everything off the bike. They found the serial number. And they sent it to Bob Jackson, still going. And, and said, you know, could we get all of the stickers and things to put, put on the bike? And Bob Jackson came back and said, that's not a Bob Jackson. (laughs) So basically I had had this lovely bike that actually then I found out wasn't actually... So I I was traumatised, you know, that this this pride and joy was not actually a Bob Jackson. But but then I later found out that... Odin would describe this, by the way, as a really boring story. But anyway, I'll carry on. But anyway, I later found out that it's... was actually an earlier bike so they found another serial number on it and they found out that it was an earlier bike called a Merlin that was being made by Bob Jackson and Wayne got very excited and he said you know congratulations you have a very rare bike so in fact it wasn't a fake it was just it, well, basically incredibly they, rare they had actually sprayed over the original wow. 
colors so now we're trying to find out what the original colors would have been but we only have obviously black and white catalogs so we found the old catalogs oh, yeah. it's basically been with wayne for like six months wow <laughs> and he's finding all of the old bits to put back on it and stuff because when i was a bit started falling off it and stuff over the years i've had it so so now i want to restore it with all its constituent kind of parts that are correct for the age of the bike and, yeah <laughs> It's very nerdy. It's <laughs> kind of amazing what you can what you can get on eBay. I'm so surprised that you didn't get a, that. It wasn't a fake. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. If you're an architect or designer looking for a new house, isn't that isn't that quite a lot of pressure to find somewhere like incredibly amazing? And do you go through a different process to the average person looking for a house because you know, like, yeah, I think actually the place that we're in at the moment and this new place that we've just bought. Um, were kind of happened very quickly and was sort of happenstance. You know, I, I think that actually if we really looked, we would never find anything. So actually, so th- this one is extraordinary. This place in, in Bloomsbury, it uh, was lived in by 100... Uh, she, she died at 103. She was an artist called Duffy Ayres, amazing woman, and um, beautiful portraiture. And, and so she lived in the house till she died, which was amazing. And, um, and, and she hadn't touched it since 1953. So she was, she was actually the wife of a more famous artist. Um, and, and actually when she married him, uh, he's called Rothstein. I actually can't remember his first name. But, um, and so, and so she was very much eclipsed by her husband. And then she divorced him and moved into this house and started painting again in the 80s. And um, well, she moved in in 53, actually. But she started painting again in the 80s. And um, yeah, she's she, she's her work's extraordinary actually. So, wow. um, but uh, but it's just it's amazing to kind of and she used to teach in this house as well. And so, but your question really about I suppose I mean we're sort of drawn obviously to the story of the house. I'm drawn to um, the fact that it's not been messed with and uh, you know that um, uh, it's sort of very much a blank, blank canvas. You know, um, so that yeah, whatever we put against it should should be kind of more contemporary and um, but yeah. Do you know how you're going to design it? Do you have a Do you guys have a, have a process or is it just between us? Or are you in charge of that because that's your thing? Um, I yes, I'm sort of joking that he's sort of the client, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, because I designed his store, obviously, so uh, 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 where he really was the client, but so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I th- we're, we're going to do it as a project of the studio, and, that, and we have approach it in kind of a, a similar way, where we're sort of trying to respond sensitively to the historic fabric of the building, and um, but you know, it, it, but bring it as kind of up to date, make it work for how we live, and and all of that. Yeah, I'm going back to the cabinet again yes. now. Um, so we've had a the Bob Jackson bike and the wooden bath. <laughs> And what other amazing things are going in there? So I was going to put in my Kaweco fountain pen. And that's because I actually uh, am doing handwriting classes at the moment with, uh, with this great woman, Cheryl Avery, who was the calligrapher in residence at the V&A. And I found her actually... I don't know how I found it, but I was, I've always really hated my handwriting. And I, so I, and then I sort of came across her and she was offering kind of handwriting classes to adults to sort of, and, and, uh, it was, it was, it's been such an amazing experience. It's actually, 
I kind of go to her house in North London and she has a, a kind of calligraphy room and we sit together. She teaches kind of mostly children, obviously, and kind of how to, uh, to, to write. But, so, um, yeah, she sort of analysed my handwriting and then um, she's sort of teaching me a kind of different script, almost like a font, really, you know, but sort of enhanced, you know, based on my own handwriting. And, but uh, it's been just a lovely process, actually, because I sort of really miss, you know, I draw for work and, you know, we, but, you know, we don't, we don't write enough anymore. And, and that kind of hand-to-eye connection and there's something very um, meditative about it. It's very relaxing, actually. Did it? <laughs> it's like in, in the bath. <laughs> yeah, in the bath. Exactly. <laughs> Writing in the bath. I will be. I will need to do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's interesting actually, and I love the thing that I love most about it is like her precision. So we will have very lengthy conversations about you know how to join an E to a T, you know, or like the length of the bottom of an F or something like that, and it's just I just find that so satisfying. <laughs> so what? So you do that of an evening? What's Adam doing? Is he sketching or reading oh he's into books isn't he yeah 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 yeah. he's a big reader and um and actually he's you know become a you know serious kind of collector so he's he's always looking for pieces at auction and he kind of finds these extraordinary um pieces of art and you know that are not by known do you you know, guys, particularly are you guys part of some like fabulous social scene in London, like going out to amazing fashion slash architecture parties? Or <laughs> um, I mean, not really. Not really. I don't. But, yeah, not particularly. I mean, I think I kind of go to some things with Adam, but I kind of. But yeah. Uh, you know, Sarah, also his twin sister, obviously looks better in a dress yeah, than I so do. So the twin thing. Like, we've got to talk about this. So you're a twin. He's a twin. Yeah. And then I've got all the twin chances? brothers. Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, it, obviously it comes up quite early on when you start talking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know it's really strange, actually, how twins attract. But, yeah. I was going to... I want to speak to you about your, your business and your office a bit, but mm. before that, I think we should quickly go to the next thing in the cabinet. Sure. Yeah. The next thing... Now, let me see, is... Um, well, again, so I recently we bought this Noguchi floor lamp, and I love some of Noguchi's lighting, particularly. And um, but it was sort of I, I knew of this light, but I kind of and uh, but actually, it's quite an iconic thing. It's one of the paper uh, series, uh, the Akari series of paper lights, and it's the one is a is a ball, you know, on a on a piece of bamboo. Um, and sitting on a ball of a cast iron and um, but I I saw it in the Eames house in LA so I went to see that case study house that uh, uh, Charles and Ray Eames lived in and um, which is wonderful and you know I kind of got a tour around it and um, I was I was chatting to somebody there who was one of the tour guides who and, and the, the Eames have this Noguchi light sort of buried in amongst planting and it's in every photograph you've ever seen of, of, of that house and it's sort of buried in amongst amazing kind of pot plants and things and um, and yeah I was, I was talking to somebody there who 
used to work for Terence Conran, and she, when she started working there, she'd seen a book of Terence Conran's on a chair. Now, obviously, uh, it's open to the public, but they kind of—it's almost as though the Eames have just sort of stepped out the door. And actually, when we were there, the phone rang. You know, and it was amazing. <laughs> they were kind of, sometimes people still calling for them or whatever. So it's, wow. it's literally like they just left. So cool. it's, it's so cool. And um, so, so that anyway, she was telling me the story about how she told. Terence Conran that they had you know his book there in the house and sent, her a pic- sent him a picture of you know the book on the table or whatever and, and um, it, it was just this idea of kind of contemporary designers um, showing their admiration for one another I think is just so great like I love that the Eames had a Noguchi I think they were friends actually but I, I love that they had his light in, in the house and, and uh, Terence apparently was very moved that they had his book um, oh. in their collection so yeah do you travel a lot for research and stuff um, yeah I mean we uh, I would say um, not specifically for research actually but I um, I'm inspired by I mean, it sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? But, but basically by everything that I see. <laughs> but and now that's, that's kind of become, uh, you know, so much easier actually um, to document because, you know, uh, of our phones and take, and I actually really genuinely kind of use my uh, phone like a notebook and so I'm constantly taking pictures of things and then referring back to things. And now you can search by place and, you know, it's so, uh, you know, constantly looking at things you know, little details and things that I've seen all over. And so, so it's more like we, uh, you know, I might go somewhere, you know, Adam and I might go somewhere together or, um, you know, the last trip I did was to um, Vicenza to a, um, a terrazzo company uh, that we're working with there. And that was incredibly inspiring, like third generation terrazzo manufacturers making terrazzo in, in the traditional way because um, in your company yeah. you really see I know from working with you on this Carlos Place project that you really love bringing in other people like artisans and what are you looking for in these people um, I mean it's like sort of Darwin terracotta here yes um, so they've done the, the tiles for the tiles on the ground floor that's yeah. right yeah so and, uh, and I've been sort of dying to work with them for years so and and I suppose it's because they are you know they're craft they're craftspeople who I, I, I love the idea of t- taking traditional craft and kind of using it in a contemporary way um, using materials that are harmonious with a kind of historic uh, fabric or historic environment I mean a lot of the projects we work on are in the context of existing buildings listed buildings and and we're also you know building new new extensions and onto them and um, uh, we haven't yet done a freestanding new build I'd love to do that too (laughs) but but basically but mostly working within the context of existing buildings and so we kind of want I've sort of always you do, you do private clients as well as that's yeah, right yeah. yeah houses and shops <laughs> at the moment and then I was sort of joking that actually it's because basically people want shops to be houses now don't yeah, they that's the yeah thing. exactly yeah. Yeah. and vice versa no not vice versa but yeah <laughs> so um, yeah so I suppose um, we yeah, always wanting the materials to be kind of harmonious with the existing but uh, used in a contemporary way or used in a kind of more, more yeah, sort of modern way. Um, yeah. 
and and I love I love kind of uncovering the potential of uh, these d- different crafts, understanding kind of getting in. So I, I would go to a factory like we did, you know, right at the very beginning, and um, and actually, you know, understand their way of working, what their capability is, and then you know really try and fight to kind of get them into a project um because it it kind of guarantees also a you know a a a level basically that is just you know if you're working with you know a team of great craftspeople around you i mean it's actually quite it's it's almost it's sort of i think quite a kind of historic way of working you know that you the master builder would kind of go with their sort of team of of great craftspeople to create something and and now we're more and more, you know, we're sort of trying to work with the same, the same team, you know, and, and um, so now here, here at Carlos Place, we're working with a landscape architect we work with a lot who's wonderful. Um, what are they Cart- called? They're called Urquhart Hunt, Lulu and Adam, and they're fantastic. And we're working on a number of projects with them and then also PS Lab who are doing the lighting here, who are great designers, but also sort of small makers so they can uh you know they can bespoke very easily and um you know you can really kind of work with them to uh you know uh i, I don't know create something more yeah less generic kind of more um sort of tailored mm. yeah well that's <laughs> that kind sense. of what that's this whole new trend in fashion now as well with like bespoke creating a bespoke experience mm. for the customer or the consumer mm. now yeah it's quite an interesting idea yeah it's sort of how do you you have to go the extra mile don't you to kind of get something that you know achieve something that others can't achieve yeah well that's the thing and in this world with all this digital stuff people seem to want something really special and tangible yeah I mean that's what I've sort of been you know really attracted us to this project was that it, it felt that you know, matches fashion were really kind of, um, you know, at the at the forefront of kind of questioning what retail is all about. You know, what you know at the point where you have a ninety minute delivery in central London, you have this sort of super slick kind of website, and people can cut shop from home. You know, what is this space for? And and it's about experiences, and that, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're sort of trying to kind of. Um, design the experience of the space and and see it through right from you know the building all the way through to the programming of the space and the kind of yeah have you got what else you have you got other exciting projects coming up uh we have so we we've got another um store in mayfair actually going on site <laughs> um and uh in, store, another store yeah an, another uh, another store um can you say who it is i think i can actually uh, it's for brioni so we're collaborating with Brioni on a store, so the Italian Roman tailoring brand, um, and it's a flagship store for them in London. And um, and then we've we've actually got so we've been working for we've been going as I said for almost four years. Um, we've not actually finished that many <laughs> projects because so the houses particularly take a kind of long time. It's got a long process, and uh, um, so we're doing a, a farm in Norfolk and. Um, and a house down in Wiltshire, and two houses in London. So we're sort of doing sort of bit, yeah, sort of big private houses and, and stores. And then we're doing a store in Budapest, actually, for the brand at Moravica, who are um, a skincare brand. Uh, so they're they're sort of 
it's also an amazing story, a kind of great uh, story behind the brand, amazing heritage, and, and we're sort of trying to embody that in in this new store in Budapest and trying to tell the story of the brand through through the store. Yeah. Do you want to tell the story? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, it's amazing. I just thought it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so they they are, and now I'll probably get this wrong, but. Um, the brand is owned by Stephen and Margaret de Heinrich de Amorovitzer. It's a very big name. And, uh, and um, Stephen is actually from uh, an, uh, an, a very old Hungarian noble family, um, de Heinrich de Amorovitzer. And as you might know, that it's a basically Hungary is uh, well known for its thermal waters. And so all over Hungary, you have amazing hot springs and towns dedicated to bathing and what have you. And in Budapest, there are many very famous thermal baths. And um, during the Turkish occupation of Budapest in the 16th century, uh, they built hammams all over uh, Budapest. And some of those hammams still exist. Then bathing kind of fell out of fashion, I think. And so these hammams kind of uh, were not used, but then in the 19th century, when bathing became very popular again, they sort of took these hammams, and which were the springs, the original th- sort of thermal springs, and built these huge palaces to bathing over over them. And there's some very famous ones in Budapest. Anyway, Stephen's father built. Um, so sorry, not Stephen's father. Stephen's ancestor, I think his great grandfather. Sorry, uh, built one of these thermal bars. In fact, the most beautiful one, the Rats. And um, anyway, Stephen and Margaret have developed a product that, so the, the, the baths in Budapest are, are particularly good for your skin. So the thermal waters are very good for your skin in Budapest. So in different parts of the country, the thermal waters are good for different ailments and you, you actually get prescribed to take the waters in different parts of the country. Anyway, in Budapest, one of the things that the thermal, the mineral rich kind of thermal water is very good for your skin. So they managed to develop a kind of patented technique of kind of uh, the uh, transferring the minerals into your skin when you put on a cream. So actually their creams have a base that is literally the water from under the citadel in Budapest. It's quite amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's, and it's, it's actually a, a, quite a big kind of luxury brand now. And they're, you know, they're, they're sort of doing very well. And this is, they actually have a store in Budapest right now, but uh, they, they built it many years ago. And so now they've been going 10 years. And so this is the first time that they've actually sort of engaged. Well, they engaged with us to develop. A How, did they reach out to you or did you have to pitch to them? Or? They saw Erdem's store. Ah. And That's the gift they, that keeps on giving but actually, yeah. is, <laughs> but actually, they approached us to design a chalet for them in Verbier. And, uh, and then when we started talking to them about how we would go about working on this chalet, they said, actually, can you come and have a look at our stores? <laughs> wow. Because I think they just kind of liked the way that we sort of... Were... Have you tried the bars? The, have you tried the waters? Yes, yeah, so they do. Uh, well, a- absolutely. I mean, I was so... We actually had a fantastic experience um, recently because uh, we wanted to obviously uh, be directly inspired by, you know, this this grand and great um, tradition of, of bathing, and and so where better to start really than the rats 
itself and 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 the other bards the, some very famous the bards in budapest so um they got permission for us to go into the bards out of hours and we photographed the bards in great detail all the details and uh, materials and so and that was really our starting point so but we, we used them as well i got in a lot of trouble for walking in a bath in my shoes oh. out of hours oh, <laughs> anyway but no but i love i yeah had a great um we had a great trip that's amazing yeah it is amazing um okay and what's the final thing that you'd put into your cabinet at carlos place well i have struggled with what the final thing (laughs) should be but i think i think i'm gonna say my favorite plant actually which is the sparmania africana and it's just um i saw it actually I've worked on a couple of projects with Dan Pearson, who's a w- also a wonderful landscape architect. And I first saw this plant in his, on his meeting table in a lovely terracotta pot. And um, there's not a big story behind it, but it's just a very particularly kind of fresh looking... Um, yeah. It's nice to have something living nice. Yeah, exactly, there, exactly, yeah. Generate, like... Oxygen and yeah, well, fields. we've got lots of plants at home. You see, that's the thing, and so I. So kind you don't of mind plants? Love plants. Okay. Love plants. I'm I, I, I sort of quite good at killing them as well. Oh. Okay, that's great, and thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. That was an episode of the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website. And you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening. <laughs>